Thank you, Chelsea. You've done everything I taught you, so you're doing well. You did everything but Dylan Well, it is good to be here, amen. I believe we've had church so far. I pray that as we open up the scriptures, that although I love to sing, love to sing in honor of the Lord, I love to proclaim the goodness and the mercies of the Lord. May we know as a church that the scriptures are the highlight, amen? The Bible, as we open up the scriptures, that that brings an anticipation that we will hear from the Lord. We will be in Luke chapter 5 today. It is a familiar passage and one that uh, you know well. I hate when I pull it. I talk, I'm sorry. I have a conversation back there. I don't like being able to see this. So when I pull it away, I can see it. I feel like something's there. I mean, it is, but I feel like something like a fly or something. So I'll try to put my head around. Anyway, as you turn there, you know, BBS is starting tonight. We're excited about BBS. Uh, I know it's been difficult, maybe for you, if you have little kids, it has been for us to keep our boys off of these. Uh, there's one here, one at the welcome desk back there, and we've already had to say, no, you cannot ride on the power wheels. And I hope the battery, the batteries are not in there. And whoever put these, they look wonderful. I think they're a great idea. Uh, I'm trying to keep our kids off of them. We are excited about BBS. It's going to be an exciting week. Uh, there is still time if you want to help and serve in BBS. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, if, if you're not able to, uh, please, 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 if you'll just pray for BBS. Uh, pray for the volunteers that are, we have a lot of volunteers. Pray for them that God will give them strength and endurance as they work all day uh, at their jobs and then they come here to serve at night. That takes a lot and we are so thankful for all our volunteers. Pray for the children that will be here. Pray for the children that will be hearing the gospel, that will be in missions and games and arts and crafts and all of these areas in, in music that uh, will hear all about Jesus. Pray for them uh, and uh, pray for understanding. Pray that God would give these children understanding, that he would put faith in their heart, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus, that uh, they are at an age of understanding and that Jesus would reach down and God uh, would save them this week. And pray for salvation, that God, when he gives them understanding of the gospel and what it means to be a sinner and, and, and to trust in Jesus and to repent of our sins, that they would do that, that they would uh, receive the gift of salvation. So uh, all that hear my voice, I am entrusting you to pray for all of those things. And we're just going to pray that this year's BBS is going to be the best one yet. Amen? Amen. We're excited about that. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, uh, that we get to have together with children. I'm so glad for all of our volunteers. That means all I get to do is eat. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I get to test out all the food you bring. And so whoever brings food, I'm excited about that. Uh, my wife and I, we always do the skits in the service. Uh, in the, uh, uh, in, <laughs> That's not me, is it? No. Everybody else is experiencing that, right? <laughs> I just want to make sure. Um, I had to take some medicine this morning, so I'm making sure... Uh, there you go. Okay. So the medicine kicked in, and uh, so now we're good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have to go back to the doctor tomorrow. My neck is just killing me. And so I thought, oh no, uh, the medicine kicked in at the wrong time. Uh, but pray for, uh, pray for BBS. 
I pray for my family night next Sunday, right after the service. I don't know why we're doing this, but we're taking our camper over nearly 3,000 miles. And we're going to be gone for a little while, for a couple, three weeks. I've missed two Sundays. We've got great guys that are going. I can tell you that have a you're filling in on Sunday. Uh, I appreciate you getting ready for that. Um, all the teenagers over here, yeah, go Pastor Matt, go Pastor Matt, yeah. They didn't think they would like him up, so I think it's the hair. I think it really is. I think it's just the hair. I wish they had it. Uh, but uh, it's turning colors. I just didn't want it to turn loose. Uh, but we're, we're taking our camper out west. I know many of you said, oh, I'd love to do that. Well, take our kids with you if you want to. We'll have three kids in the back seat of a truck. I have to say back seat of a truck. If I say back of a truck, you'll think I'll be putting them back, which I probably will want to at some point. But we're excited. We're going up to South Dakota, and then we'll spend some time there and, and uh, see God's creation and Mount uh, Rushmore, then over Yellowstone, and then all the water, things like that. Uh, so by the time we get to Yellowstone, we'll have a GoFundMe account for fuel. So uh, just be looking out for that if you'd like to totally towards our fuel level. Um, the cost of staying places will be cheap because of the camper, but it's the fuel. We're excited about that. Uh, but this is VBS this week's going to be wonderful. We've been walking through being faithful as a church, being found faithful. Uh, and we are now looking at being faithful in evangelism. What a great time for VBS, right? That we could be talking about evangelism. That's what VBS is all about, evangelism. I look at evangelism as, as the simplest, most simple form or definition of evangelism, and that is getting people to Jesus. That's my definition of evangelism. Now, you can go look up many more definitions. They're going to be more elaborate and longer and better words than that. But uh, uh, my one return is this. Evangelism is getting people to Jesus. You don't save them. You can't save them. All you can do is get them to the cross through evangelism. Get them to Jesus. Uh, and you've got to teach them who Jesus is in the gospel. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about, evangelism. And we're doing that uh, with the entitled, uh, with the... Um, uh, kind of the promotion of Booster One uh, all throughout the Southern Baptist Convention, not every church, but many of our churches in the Southern Baptist Convention is looking at who's your one. Who is your one? If you were here last week, you heard all about that. And you heard all about these cards here. Uh, we have more of these up front. And so if you'd like to get one of these cards, it has a name where you put a name. You write the name of someone that you know needs the Lord Jesus. They're lost. And so you write their name on there. You take the cards are up here. That's what I did with you. come down. You, you tear this part off. You leave it at the altar, meaning you're committing them to the Lord. And on this part is a 30-day prayer guide for you. That every day, starting the day one, you're going to read John 14, 6. And then after you read that scripture, you're going to pray for that person. So for 30 days, this is a prayer guide. That you read the scripture and pray for that name that you wrote on, that, on, on this card. Uh, and so if you're like me, you may need to get two. <laughs> Put one of these up here and keep one. You remember who you wrote down. Uh, but this is a 30-day prayer guide. If you need one, I'd love for you to come get one during the invitation. And while you do that, you come and just pray for them right then, okay? And so we're looking at who's your one. And so today we're looking at Luke chapter 5. Uh, much of the information comes from uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, so I need to tell you that beforehand. So if you go Google it uh, or look on the website, a lot of this comes from the Southern Baptist Convention. It's just an overall, everybody moving in the right direction, saying the same things in our convention. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17, uh, verse 17 through 26. If you found your place, open up your apps. If you'll stand with me to read the scriptures together. 
Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. On one of those days while he was teaching, meaning Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him, before Jesus. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him on the stretcher, through the roof tiles, into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who, who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh, I love this part. He perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? You forgot who you're in the presence of. Which is easier to say, Your sins are, for, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. Let's pray. Father, the scriptures have been presented. It's not I that has the power, but the words of God that bring forth power. And so, Lord, as we've read these scriptures aloud, I pray that the power of God is just have gone out to all of the ears that have heard. And God, may this the scriptures today, Lord, may they transform our heart. May they renew our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a wonderful story this is. You know, it's easy for you and I to get caught up in missions or what we would say the idea of missions without realizing what our personal role is for missions. We can love the missions. We can uh, be a cheerleader for the missions. We can say the missions and recite the missions while not really understanding our personal role in the mission. You know our mission here as a church to love God, love people by keeping the great command and doing the great commission. That's not just for some people. That's for all members of the church. We tell that in our membership 101 class. This is what you are coming here to do. As a member, you're coming here not to sit on a pew, but to love God, love people. How? By keeping the great commandment and doing the great commission. This is your role as a member. Many people love sports. You love sports. I love sports. Uh, sports are a great thing. As, as one person says, it's a great game. It allows a God, isn't it? I love sports. We all love sports. But you and I sit on the sidelines. We pull for our favorite teams. But yet we never step foot on the playing field to make any contribution ourselves, do we? No. We buy the tickets. We buy the apparel. We go and spend gas and food. We go watch our favorite sports teams. We cheer them on. We yell for them. We stay up late watching them. But yet we never actually step foot on the playing field to make any contribution to the team that we love so much. We are great cheerleaders, but not actually contributors. The problem is, sadly, the same can be said for members of many local churches today. We are great cheerleaders of the church, but we're not very good contributors to the church. Amen? Everybody say amen. That way you're not excluded. Amen? Hey, we'll wear the t-shirts. 
We'll cheer on the church. This is where I go. We got the magnets on our vehicles. We wear the blue East Logo Baptist shirts. We put it on our Facebook page. We check in at the church when we get there. None of those things are wrong. I do all of that myself. We cheer on the church when we have something great. We cheer on the church when we have to go to two services. We cheer on the church when we got BBS when someone gets saved. But the problem with most local churches is we got a lot of cheerleaders and not very many contributors. Amen? Woo! That was quiet. Man, that was very quiet. Now I just ran out of breath saying all that. You didn't give me anything. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. We got a lot of cheerleaders. We don't need cheerleaders. It's great that we can, oh, yes, amen. I think girls down here, yeah, Pastor Mel, woo, yeah. I was like, yes, I love it. Now, no, I keep doing it. I love it. I, mean, I thought I thought it was really great. I really do. And, and they're, man, they, you, you ought to see how some of the, how these girls and these boys in our youth, man, they're starting to really just take off and get involved. We don't need just cheerleaders. We need cheerleaders, but we need contributors. And we're looking at the word evangelism and being faithful in evangelism, getting people to Jesus. And that's exactly what these men did. They had a friend, and they had, they had to find a way to get this man to Jesus. They weren't just a cheerleader of Jesus. They weren't just a cheerleader of his teachings. They weren't just a, whoo, look at what Jesus can do. He can heal people. He brings dead people back to life. I saw a blind man that's no longer blind because of Jesus. Woo, yeah. Go, Jesus. Go, Son of God, Messiah. Yes, yes. Your mission is to come and seek and say that which is all you can heal. you got the power of God in you. Yes. They weren't just that. They were contributors. They had a friend. And they had to do everything they could to get this friend to Jesus. Amen? Are you that kind of friend? Are you a contributor to evangelism, to being faithful in evangelism, to get whoever your one is to Jesus? Are you a cheerleader or a contributor? Observation number one. These men had a mission. They had a mission. Missions drive us. When I say missions, I mean mission state. They drive us, not just us individually, they drive our culture. Every business has to have a mission. Schools have a mission statement. Businesses have mission statements. Why? It reminds the workers exactly what they want to accomplish. Churches have mission statements. We have a mission statement. You know it, to love God and love people by keeping the great commandment, doing the great commission. That's all we exist for. That's all we come to church for. That's all we go to work for. That's all we live for and go to sports. That's all we do as members of East Oklahoma Baptist Church to love God and love people. We have a mission. And these men in this passage, they had a mission. It drives who we are. It, we, we've got families with mission statements. And I applaud some of you families. You got, I mean, you got a mission statement that's painted on the canvas. You got it up above your fireplace, you know, and it just reminds your family what you're to do. And I think that's wonderful. We develop mission statements for our companies and churches and schools. Why? Why do we have mission statements? To keep us on course. That's what a mission statement is to do. It's to keep the company on course. It is a reminder for that company this is why we exist. This is why we started this company. This is why we exist as a company. And this is how we're going to keep existing as a company. The mission statement has worked so far. And if we stay with the mission statement, it'll keep us going forward. That's why we have mission statements. 
The problem is when we get off course from our mission statement, all of a sudden, we're not doing what our company was created to do. It defines the basics and the essentials. For example, Instagram, their mission is to capture and share the world's moments. That's simple. It's all they're for. Facebook, I didn't know this, but this is true. <laughs> Facebook, part of their mission statement is a media platform for your grandma to keep up with your grandchildren. <laughs> Amen. And some of you are like, well, I know, yeah, that's pretty good. They won't come see me, but I'll look on Facebook. Go see your grandma. <laughs> Let them see her in person. We drove seven hours Friday to go see my granddaddy. We drove seven hours yesterday to come home just to spend less than 24 hours with him, just about. My granddaddy's 91 years old, about to be 92, healthy as all get out. It's amazing. But that's their mission statement. Jesus, when he started his ministry, had a mission statement for the Son of Man that's come to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. That's all he came to do. Jesus didn't come to do anything else. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Here's questions for you to ponder. What drives you? Really, what sets you in motion? I'm not talking about, well, what drives me is bills. It's most of us. And you know what's crazy? We talk about this in our Sunday school class every month. You got to pay for that water every month. That power, you got to pay for it every month. It keeps coming in. I got paid for it last week, last month. I got paid again. It comes every month. I don't, I'm not saying that drives me. What drives you? Bills. Payments, that's what drives me. That's what gets me up in the morning to go to work and do what I do and put up with what I put up. It's nonsense every day. I'm not talking about that. Besides the bills that are coming in, what really drives you? What things spiritually has God put on your heart that you long to see come to fruition in your lifetime? What are some things? you ever prayed for that? What are some things in your life, spiritually speaking, has God put on your heart that you long to see to come to fruition? Maybe it's your children come to know Jesus. Maybe it's a mom or dad to know the Lord Jesus. Maybe it's uh, orphans around the world to come to know Jesus. Maybe it's foster children right here in Alabama, these surrounding counties, to have a spiritual, healthy home they can grow up in. What things spiritually has God put on your heart that you long to see? come to fruition. Is that what drives you? Helping the poor? Saving the lost? Helping the orphans? Do you have kingdom dreams? Such as people coming to faith in Christ? Or are your dreams all tied to this life? Do you have kingdom dreams? Such as people coming to know the Lord? Coming to know Jesus? This person on this card that you wrote down? Is that your dream? Do you have kingdom dreams? Or are your dreams all tied to this life? Meaning, what drives me is that I can get a bigger bank account so I can have better this, better that, bigger here, better there. Is that what drives you? Do you have kingdom dreams that you would see people come to know the Lord Jesus? That you would go around the world telling people about Jesus and, and, and uh, digging wells in places that don't have clean water? Are you, do you have kingdom dreams that you would see somebody come to know the Lord Jesus and you spend time with them to disciple them so that they could become a mature believer in Christ, a great disciple of the Lord Jesus? Or are all of our dreams all tied to this world? What drives you? When was the last time you stopped and think about your dreams? When was the last time you stopped and you prayed, Lord, what really drives me? And it may be that you and the Lord Figure out that you have gotten off mission. 
It may be that you figure out, the Lord, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you figure out you've gotten off the mission state. You have veered away from the mission. Observation number two, these men had an eager expectation. They had an eager expectation. You know what's funny about these men? They actually believed that Jesus could heal them. I mean, they really believed that Jesus could heal this man. And so they just said, well, look, Let's all pick up a corner here, and we'll just tote him all the way to this house. I heard he was down there, and uh, I heard he was at Matt's house teaching. So let's carry him all over there to Matt's house. And I just we we just really believe our expectations is that it, we really believe that Jesus can heal this man. So they show up. They thought in their mind, maybe just maybe, they took a risk. They took a risk of the mission that they were on to get someone to Jesus. Evangelism was in their heart. They didn't really know what was going to happen. But all they knew is we need to get this man to Jesus. There's people all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Bible, who took risk. We now live on the other side of Jesus' work on the cross and through the empty tomb. Listen, how much greater should our expectations be? These men... They had an expectation that Jesus could heal them. Why? Because they had heard and maybe have seen Jesus do that in the past. They lived on uh, the side before the cross and the empty tomb. You and I live on this side of the cross and in the empty tomb. We know He can. Amen? We know He can. Why? Because by His stripes we're healed. That He can't save that which is lost. God can do anything. We know that. We know it. And yet we don't have an eager expectation that God can save this person. I hear people tell me all the time, Preacher, God can't save me. I've done too many things. You don't know God. Amen? You don't know Him. That's why you're saying things like that. If you know Jesus that I know, see, you don't know me. The reason why you say things like that is because you don't know me. I'm like Paul. I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the worst of them. You don't know me. And that's a good thing, probably. You don't know what goes on in this mind of mine. You don't know how dirty this heart was until Jesus came along. The reason why people make statements, I don't think God can save someone like me, is because they don't know who I am and where I've been. And you haven't told them who you are and where you've been and who God has been for you. What people need to hear is an expectation from you. Listen, God can save me. He can save anybody. He can save anybody. The vilest of sinners was I. But yet God reached down in the power of a cross and an empty tomb, and God saved me. They had an eager expectation that God could do anything. How much greater should our expectations be? How much greater, how much of an eagerness should we have? We don't have to live in a moment where we think God can, or we think Christ may, or He might. He, you know, He could save you. He could heal you. I don't really know. No, we know God can. Now, whether He will or not, that's up to Him. We know He can. These men had an eager expectation. Question: Do you have an eager expectation of someone coming to faith? Listen: Do you actually believe God can save the person you put on this call? 
And if you haven't got one of these cards, you're going to in a minute when we have our, our invitation. You're going to come down and get one. And you're going to write a name on here. Listen, do you have an eager expectation that God can actually save that person? I think we need to be like these men. Have an eager expectation. All I can do, I just got to give them to Jesus. I just got to give them to Jesus. And I know once I give them to Jesus, that the foot of Jesus, His power will come through. Do you, does your eager expectation move you to action? See, it's easy to have an expectation, an eager expectation. But the question is, does it move you to action? Oh, anybody can have an expectation. Oh, yeah, preacher, I believe God can do anything. Really? You know, you're not showing it. We don't show it very well, do we? Oh, no, brother, I believe God can do anything. Woo, you heard my testimony. Praise God. Yeah, God can do anything. Yes, he can. Oh, yeah, save me. Heal my mom and dad. Heal me from this. Save me from that. Save me from my sins and, and, and hell for all eternity. I'm going to heaven, preacher. Does that expectation draw you to action? Because if it does not, maybe, just maybe, you might not believe it. Maybe, just maybe, maybe, you might not go, I don't know. Uh, he might or he might not. I don't know. Does it move you to action? Observation number three. These men encountered an obstacle. You know what happened? They showed up and the place was packed. I mean, the house was packed. Isn't that way all of it? When Jesus is in the house, the place ought to be packed. Amen. Jesus is in the house. I believe every time we meet together, and I believe the house ought to be packed. That's why we went to two services. Because the house was in, we were we were more packed than this. There's a lot of people still traveling. Don't people be traveling all summer? That's fine. That's why we went to two services. When Jesus is in the house, hey, the house ought to be packed. Amen. Because the church ought to be out there going, hey, Jesus is going to be there Sunday. I need you to be there too. The house ought to be packed. That's why the house is packed. The obstacle shows up. What do they do? Oh, no. Oh. They're in my seat. I'm an 815er. The 11 o'clock people's in my seat. I'll just go to the house then. Oh, no. I might be able to sit up front. Oh, no. Bless you. <laughs> oh no! They didn't do that. What are they? Who knows how far they travel? Sweating? I'm just tired of God. But you just—you're not carrying your end. John, carry your part, Billy. That's—you can hear them maybe fussing. Like you're not picking. Pick your side up. Then they get there, and they just tired. They show up, places packed, can't get in. Well. This is, I guess it's just not going to happen today. This is a sign from God. It's not going to happen. They encountered an obstacle. For many people, they would have just given up. Waved the white towel and said, you know what? I'm just not. The, the, hey, the open door is closed. Well, we assume that an open door is equal to the path of least resistance. And it's not all. They got there and the open door was full. <laughs> there were people all in the open door. These men saw an obstacle, but because of their hope and belief, they were so strong, their eagerness that Jesus could do something. What did they do to the closed door? They kicked it wide open. You know, many people say, Praise the Lord in the hallway when all the doors are 
shut. No, some parents, you need to go kick it open. A closed door open. I'm talking about just, just kick it open as best you can. When you bring someone to Jesus, don't let any obstacle get in the way. You better believe the devil. Our adversary does not want you to get that person to Jesus because he knows Jesus can save them. They belong to him. You better believe it. he's going to have a crowded room, some obstacles in your way. It didn't affect these men. Oh no, close door, no pack. I said, I mean, I didn't split my pants or something. That would be really bad. Awful. I'd have to finish. <laughs> I'd have to give them my notes or something. So what do they do? They go up on the roof of Matt's house. They start taking off shingles, you know, just, hey, we got to just lower them down. They encounter some obstacles. <clears throat> Question, what obstacles have derailed you from the mission? Hey, these are serious questions. Everyone listen to these questions. Because these questions will affect every person in this room. What is our mission? To love God and love people by keeping the great commandment, doing the great mission. What is our mission? Evangelism, bringing people to Jesus and being faithful. The question for you and I is, what obstacles have derailed you from that mission? What things have happened in your life that have gotten you off of that mission? Is it life not turning out the way you thought it would? And so now you have found yourself away from the Lord, away from the mission. You're not doing the things God has called you to do. You've been derailed. Is your marriage suffering? It is a laziness in your own walk with the Lord that you're not willing to read the scriptures every day, pray to the Lord every day, walk with Him daily? What things, what obstacles have derailed you from the mission? I can't say it for you, only you know that. But for these men, they weren't going to allow any obstacle to derail their mission. That is to get their friend to Jesus. Listen, many things happen in our lives, okay? I understand that. I get that. Many things happen to us and, and many in my life. But nothing can get in the way of us in the mission God has laid out before us, and that is getting lost people to the Savior. Amen. And there are things that's happened in your life that have derailed you. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a sudden death of the family. Maybe it's a separation of some kind. Maybe it's a, a rebellious child or a, a, a lost job. or Maybe it's all kinds of things. And that for, for a moment that has just derailed you from the mission. But what about now? What about now? What would it look like for you to dig a hole in a roof? You know what I mean, spiritually. What would it look like for you to get back on track? What would it look like for you to get back on mission? What would it look like for you to go dig a hole, kick the closed door open? Observation number four. These men got more than they bargained for. <laughs> you know what happened. They showed up. All they wanted was their friend to be healed. He'd been paralyzed all his life. They got more than they bargained for. They lowered him down to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Your faith, because you knew who I was, your faith has forgiven your sins. Your, your sins are forgiven. They got more than they bargained for. They didn't know that was going to happen. They just saw Jesus could heal the man because they knew and they had seen what Jesus could do. These men were. Don't, don't you and I, may we not settle for the mundane when Jesus wants a miraculous thing in our life. They got more than what they bargained for. You know why? Because when you're in the presence of Jesus, you'll always get more than what you bargained for. When you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus, you'll get more than you ever thought you would. That's why we cling to the cross. That's why we hold dear to the cross. That's why um, He's the vine, we're the branch. Our life is because of the vine. We hold to the vine. 
We hold desperately to the vine. Why? Because I know as long as I'm holding on to the cross, as long as I'm grasping the vine, I'll always get more than what I bargained for. And that's what happened. They got more than what they bargained for. People thought the primary need was the external. They, his friend needed to be healed. What Jesus did in this passage is true for all of us. You know what he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Everybody went, what? This was the moment people started hating Jesus. Because he said your sins are forgiven. They said, oh, no, only God can do that. You know, the Pharisees, they know everything. Only God can do that. You can't do that while God's in front of them. Only God can do that. Who's, who, who's this speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? What does is, what is God do in their presence? What's that you said? Why do you perceive those things in your heart? Is it easier for me to say this man is forgiven or for him to pick up this man's walk? Which is easier? That his sins are forgiven. That's what's easier. Why? Nobody can see that. Nobody can see if his sins are forgiven. It's easier for him to say that than pick up a man's walk. Why? Because everybody can see that. Everybody can see this paralyzed man, whether he's going to walk or not. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, actually, we always get more than what we think we're going to get. Not only did he save him from his sins, he told him to pick up the torture chamber that has tortured him all his life, that mat that represented pain and suffering. And he said, you get up, you take that man, you walk over the house. And he did. And he did. Oftentimes we focus on the external. God always focuses on the internal. That's what Jesus did. Jesus showed us that the greatest need is an internal posture of a heart that needs to be changed. This man's paralysis and paralyzed body was not his greatest need. This man's greatest need was that he needed his sins forgiven. The greatest need for you and for me is that our sins are forgiven. Amen? It's not that you need uh, something to be healed or you need uh, a new job or you need uh, a greater this or a greater that. Your greatest need is that you need your sins forgiven. Apart from that, you are eternally separated from the Lord Jesus and God himself. And you will always remain in that state. You need your sins forgiven. Jesus addressed the deeper need and the people were in awe. They were in awe. That's what it says. They were in all of what happened before he got up. And everyone was astounded. And they were giving glory to God and they were filled with uh, awe that said, we have seen incredible things today. Don't you love the order? It's a great picture of the gospel and how it works. He forgave him of his sins. Then he healed his body. That's how the gospel works. Jesus will heal your sins. Then who has the power to heal your body? But your greatest need is not that your body be healed. It's that your sins are forgiven. How did others play a role in your trusting Jesus? Boy, don't you know this guy's forever grateful for these men? Aren't you grateful for the men and women that prayed for you and shared the gospel with you? How did, they, how did others play a role in your trusting in Jesus? In what ways has Jesus transformed your life? What would you, why would you not long for the same type of transformation in others? You know what God's done for you. Why would you not long for other people to experience the same thing? I'm going to read a story for you. 
Now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. They created witty slogans and displayed them on big, beautiful banners. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they did not fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. The board hired staffs and appointed committees and held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and to, to decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and committee members did not fish. Large, elaborate, expensive training centers were built whose original primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, courses were offered on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and feed fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology, but the teachers did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, after tedious training, many graduated and were given fishing licenses. They were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters, which were filled with fish. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded they were commissioned and sent to fish, but like the fishermen back home, they never fished. They engaged in all kinds of other occupations. Some felt their job was to relate, was to, relate to the fish in a good way, so the fish would know the difference between a good and a bad fisherman. Others felt that simply letting the fish know they were nice, land-loving neighbors and how loving and kind they were was enough. Now it's true that many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water and bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of some who made, a fun, who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen yet never fished. Imagine how hurt some were when one day a person struggling that, uh, uh, excuse me, imagine how hurt some were when one day a person suggested that those who don't fish were really not fishermen, no matter how much they claimed to be, yet it did not sound correct, yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year he never fishes? More plainly stated, is one really following if he isn't fishing? Brothers and sisters, it's time to start casting our nets. Who's the one you are going to go after? Are we going to be fishermen? Let's pray. Lord, you're faithful. I know that. You have proven that over and over. Lord, I pray that we as a church will be found faithful in fishing. That we will be found faithful in evangelism. And Lord, I pray that in a crowd this size, as we talk about who's your one, Lord, there may be people in this room, they are the one. They are the one that needs you. They're the ones that need to be carried to Jesus. Listen, if that's you, 
I want to tell you about Jesus. He can do extraordinary things in your life. You've got many problems going on, and he can, he can deal with every one of them. But your greatest need is for your sins to be forgiven. Would you trust him today? So that you too can be your friend, your sins are forgiven. Listen, if that's you, you need the Lord Jesus. I'll be down front. Pastor Dan, Pastor John, I'll be down front in just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. We're inviting you to that Jesus. Come to know Jesus today. Listen, if you're here today, you claim to be a fisherman. That you haven't been fishing. And you have a car that has a name on it. God's calling you to go fishing. And maybe there's some things in your life that has derailed you from that mission to bring people to Jesus. What would it take for you today to come pray to the Lord and say, God, I've been off track. I've been out of mission. Father, I want to get back on mission. Lord, I want to bring people to Jesus like you've called me to do. Lord, I want to be a fisherman and not just claim to be one. Listen, I'm asking you to come and pray. Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. That God may be convicting you that you're you're a fisherman, but you haven't been fishing. You haven't been fishing in years. God, help us not to be cheerleaders. Lord, help us to be contributors. So I'm inviting you to come pray. If you don't have one of these cards, there are some down front. I invite you to come and get one and write a name on there. Put that name on the altar and keep that other part of the card. That's a prayer guide for you. If you need Jesus today, come meet the Lord. Father, have your way like ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand and sing?